that song live and in person this morning didn't we brett mcgarry <laughs> is that what they were singing the slippery fish song okay i did not recognize it when it was when it was being performed for us i had never heard it before but google being what it is and youtube being what it is you can find just about anything you want we were at earl gray school today on coburn for a kindergarten graduation pardon me a kindergarten farewell we were invited there by the Winnipeg School Division, and they wanted us to just come see what it's all about. And I know that when you first, because last week you texted me when I was approaching the end of my vacation, and you said, by the way, we're going to a kindergarten grad next Friday. And I thought, I said, pardon? <laughs> <laughs> Why? Because <laughs> yeah, I've never, I mean, look, I know that I, I like to make jokes occasionally. Kids ruin everything. I'm the guy without kids, so I, I sort of play to that kind of cliche. I'm, I've always been a dog guy, a cat guy, a kid guy, not so much. But what I saw today was among the, the most adorable things I think I've ever witnessed. Well, the question comes up every once in a while. Are we giving our children a false sense of accomplishment? It feels like we celebrate every single milestone in their life in sort of an unprecedented fashion. And that was kind of the cynical view that I was taking when I brought up to Kim Lawson. I said, you know, I wonder if we should do something on these kindergarten graduations. This was pegged very clearly a kindergarten farewell, but I mean, they had the little fake graduation hats on and everything. So there was no question. They got the little scroll that commemorated their transfer from kindergarten to grade one. So, you know, for all intents and purposes, this was a quote unquote graduation. And I was, you know, I I can be cynical sometimes when it comes to patting our kids on the back for things that aren't truly accomplishments. So we went, we saw, we digested, and I did a complete, I've done a complete 180 on this thing. When my kids did it in kindergarten, I thought it was really cute. But I also had a little bit of a hesitation in terms of it giving them a false sense that they'd done anything in life. Um, now as a little bit of an outsider six years later. I think it, it, it has its merits. And yes, we were, we were sitting on a bench along the side of the gym and there were a whole bunch of rows of chairs. What do you, what do you guess? Figure maybe by the, by the time that everybody was packed in there, maybe almost 200 people. That's what principal Trish Penner said, uh, that 200 would be an accurate, uh, accounting of how many people were there. Obviously these are parents, grandparents, uh, other types of relatives that are there to, to witness this event. And, uh, yeah, it was, it was jam packed in the gym. So they, they put on a little show for us, all that there there were, I think, was it four kindergarten classes? There were three or four classes, and they each did uh, a couple of songs, something like this, for example. It's kind of hard to make out what they're, what they're saying. They're not exactly singing in, in unison. Well, it's to this tune. Some love it. Me a blast. Some so fast. Hopefully the teacher
teacher didn't play the entire song for the kindergarten kids in in school when they were learning, but this is the tune that they were mimicking. Oh, okay. I did not put that together, partly because I despise that song. Well, that'll do it then. (laughs) That's just a side thing. I think it's because it's the kind of song that gets played at almost every social, or at least for a period it did, Mm -hmm. and they used to play it at the bar. In the mid to late 90s, so it would just kind of drive me nuts. But so they they came out and they, they did songs and dances and and then they had their graduation where they would walk up onto the stage and accept their diploma. And it was really cute seeing them sort of struggle to get up the stairs because they're still tiny, right? I mean, they're kindergarten. Tiny little humans they are. Itty bitties. So they would perform. They did the songs. And then after the after the... The ceremony was finished. I guess it went for about an hour, maybe. Just over an hour. We spoke. Hour and 12 minutes, exactly. We spoke with a number of people. We spoke with some parents. We spoke with some kids. Well, you know what? Let's start with Watson. What's your name? Watson. How do you spell Watson? W-A-S. I'm, no, not W-A-S. It's W-A-T-S. S-O-N. So, Watson, congratulations. You're going to grade one next year, is that right? Of course. So, what uh, what did you think of today? Was that exciting stuff? Mm, not so excited, but a little excited. Was kindergarten fun? Were you in nursery school before that? Yeah, and yeah. So, what did you learn in kindergarten? I forgot. You already forgot? Yeah, why wouldn't I? Who's here with you? Who's here with you today? My mom and dad. How cool is that? Mm, not so much. My dad, my dad's not so cool. He just does unfunny jokes. Unfunny jokes. Well, most dads have unfunny jokes. That's, you should probably get used to that. It's probably going to be that way for a long time, Watson. I hate to tell you. Oh, terrible. <laughs> so, so what do you want to do when you grow up? What do you want to be when you grow up? I want to be a chef. Why do you want to be a chef? So I can make myself a boogie at boogie can for lunchtime break. Whatever. What's your favorite food? You're not you're not trying to run away on us, are you? Boogies. And also I am trying to run away. Uh. <laughs> Did he say boogies? Burgers. He likes burgers. Oh, I thought he said boogies. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he likes burgers. Yeah, because what happened when we got there, we met... Uh, the teachers, um, it was Mrs. Broughton, I think, was the, the main teacher in the class. And they told us that they had a couple of kids who had been chosen who maybe weren't so shy. So Watson was one of them. And his, <laughs> he's making fun of his dad, who's standing right there. Big smile on his face. His name is Chris Hearn. We talked to him, too. We've just been asking about just this idea of get, filling these kids with a sense of accomplishment. We came in, we'll be honest, a little cynical about the idea. I have twin 11-year-old boys, and, you know, I, I'm on the fence on this whole idea of celebrating every little milestone. What do you think about it? I, I mean, in some ways I agree with you, but... I, the kids are having so much fun that it's like, well, it doesn't matter. That's the important thing, I guess. It's like looking around, everyone was happy, everyone was jumping around, everyone was having fun, so it seems to be a good thing for them. <laughs> well, and would you say that to the graduation itself was a big learning experience because the kids had to learn all sorts of dance routines and songs? Like, I don't remember having to learn that much in kindergarten. Well, they did pretty, yeah, they did, and they did good at it. So, I mean, obviously they learned stuff, they got up in front of people, they had a good time, they... Everyone seemed confident, so... That's a big word, I think. You used the word confident. And, and so much of 
making your way through school is about confidence. Yep, exactly. And so instilling it at this age seems like a good idea. <laughs> so when you look back at your own school experience and, and you compare it to the ones your kids are having, are, are, we, are we on the right track? Well, I'm, I'm getting old. So I can't remember when I was in school, but um, pretty much, actually, I think school is better these days than when I was a kid. I mean, just the things that they work on, like um, particularly looking at First Nations issues, uh, looking at bullying, looking at... Uh, we didn't talk about these things when I was a kid, so it's, it's nice to the school like this is doing more things like that. We have a very diverse school here, which is nice, and I don't remember that from when I was a kid, so... I think things are better now. That is Chris Hearn, Watson's dad. Did you notice how he threw in a, a dad joke in there? I'm getting too old. I don't remember. <laughs> so good for Chris. I thought it was funny, but I'm a dad, so I think dad dads that dad jokes are funny. So. I thought it was funny as well. So we uh, we also spoke with Maya, and I think we'll let you hear what Maya had to say after your forecast, and maybe some of what the principal Trish Penner had to say. And if you have any thoughts on this. You can shoot us a text at 204-780-6868 or give us a call. Kindergarten graduations, kindergarten farewell. Do you think it's too much? Are we celebrating too many milestones for these kids today? Or is it a good thing? Are we instilling them with confidence? And are we? is it good to celebrate? Because when you're in kindergarten, it's a, it's a big deal. You know, you're going into grade one. Ooh, it's grade one. Sounds mysterious and frightening and scary. I don't... I don't remember much beyond playing in the sandbox and like just building stuff in kindergarten. I don't really remember the transition. So I think it's kind of cool that they got to celebrate this. Well, and there's a genuine transition because you're right. It it kind of, when I was a kid, kindergarten was more or less playtime with a little bit of work mixed in the odd field trip. And grade one, the real work began. But I get the sense that kids are learning a lot more, including something we didn't know we were walking into today, and that was the very first graduation of a Spanish immersion or in a Spanish-English class uh, for this grade. So we'll talk a little bit about that as well when we come back. Lots of stuff to cover. 204-780-6868 is the number to call or text. We're going to have a look at your forecast next. 119 on this Friday afternoon. If you are working for the weekend, you're just about there. Not quite, but you can see it from here. I'm Greg. He's Brent. We went to a kindergarten farewell today. Kindergarten graduation at Earl Grey School on Coburn. We were invited there, and Greg and I went into this thinking, partly thinking, this is kind of, it seems adorable, but it also seems kind of silly. A little over the top. And uh, I think we both left with removing the silly part. It actually was quite an enriching experience. And for me, the the real kicker was just looking around and seeing all of the parents just beaming with so much pride. You could see so many proud mama bears and papa bears in the room. And uh, it was just a really neat experience. And the kids were cute. It was really just an adorable uh, time. And we got to talk to a couple of the kids. One of them was Watson. And the other one that we spoke to was Maya. Um, my name is Maya. How do you spell your name, Maya? M-Y-A. What are you going to do when you grow up? Um, I'm going to be an ice cream lady. An ice cream lady? Well, tell us about that. What, what does being an ice cream lady, what does that mean? How do you go about that? Um, you sell ice cream to people. What kind of ice cream do you like? Um, I like chocolate. Oh, chocolate is delicious. So what kind of ice cream are you going to sell? Just like... Uh, 
ice cream cones? You're going to have other stuff too. What kind of stuff are you going to sell? Um, I'm going to sell a whole bunch of kinds. And you're gonna, are you going to sell it out of your backyard? Or are you going to open a store? What are you going to do? How, where are you going to sell this stuff? In an ice cream truck. Oh, a truck? What color is the truck? Tell us about the truck. What does it look like? Um, it's going to have a sign um, underneath that says all the ice creams. I love ice cream, so I'm looking forward to, uh, to when you get your truck and you get to sell ice cream to everybody. What did you like most about kindergarten? Mm, reading and writing. What was that song you guys were... Did you sing the song about the fish? Um, no. Which song was yours? Um, mine was um, Kindergarten We Had a Blast. That... Can, can, can you sing one line of that for me? Um, kindergarten, we had a blast. Kindergarten went by so fast, I met new friends crazy for me. I learned a lot, now I can read. They had to learn so many lines for these songs. They were up there for like five minutes. There must have been, well, I think the teacher said that most of the kids had actually submitted a line. Okay. So there was like 20 plus kids in this classroom, so... There was easily 20 lines of this song that they presented. And I was talking to Maya's mom after, and, I, and at first glance, you might think, oh, an ice cream truck, how cute. But, you know, we just talked to Amanda at O Donut yesterday. We've mm-hmm. had, like, this is a, <laughs> there is a huge market for sweet treats in Winnipeg, and especially with the explosion in recent years of food trucks. So Maya might be on to something. I think she just might be. So Maya, well, she's probably not listening right now. I think she's with her, uh, was it her, she's going to her grandparents after. That's right. They were going to have a little bit of a celebration this afternoon. So, so. Maya, hopefully, uh, I'm looking forward to that ice cream truck somewhere down the road. Now, we did speak with the principal, Trish Penner, and we talked to her about a number of things, including the Spanish program that we have. So here are some of her comments. So this is a pretty exciting day for not only the little ones in your school, but the teachers seem to be excited and the parents and... And grandparents that are here, like there must have been over 200 people in the auditorium. There were, there was. I think it's a very big day for families. Kid, your kids start school, and all you want is that they are able to be successful and to learn. And I think this is a great beginning for them to move on to grade one. So when we, uh, when you started talking about the first Spanish immersion, Greg and I sort of looked at each other like, whoa, we. We, we feel like we've sort of stumbled into a historic day. So tell us a little bit about the importance of that program. I will. We had some parents who uh, did everything they could to get a Spanish. It's actually a bilingual program into the school. This is the first year we have kindergarten. So they had a full half day of Spanish. And they come from all over the city. They are bused here. Any families that are wanting their uh, kids to learn in Spanish get busing to come here. And next year, we've already got a teacher ready to go, so we continue with grade one. And next year, it's 50% English, 50% Spanish. So we've spoken to a couple of the parents and just this idea. Of course, some of that is cultural, but our last visit was with a woman who's from El Salvador. But I asked, why is... Why is this maybe something non-Spanish speaking people might consider? And she said, economically, and for the future job market, this might be a really good idea. I think Spanish is a great language to learn. And I think parents are really appreciating the value of learning another language, whether it's French or Spanish or Cree or Ojibwe or Hebrew or 
Ukrainian, which are the, uh, the bilingual programs we have in our division. I think it's just an added bonus for your child and it gets their brain always using both sides and connecting their learning in two languages. Why is it important to have a kindergarten graduation? Because I don't know about you, but I certainly only had one graduation, which was high school. It is important because, you know, our goal starts right from the moment students walk into the school. The goal is for us to help them get to that grade 12 goal. And we want to mark every milestone and give them that feeling of resilience, knowing that they can do it and there's a group of people standing behind them because uh, it's not easy to make it to the end and they need all of us to help them. So that's just kind of what this signifies. I really like the positivity, the notion and the celebration of that last school about I like school, it likes me. Yeah. Brett and I were talking a little bit back and forth and he and I both had challenges in school. I like school to a certain extent and to a certain point in my life and with bumps in the road and, 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 and Brett had his own experience. But to, to celebrate that positivity, uh, that was brand new to me to see. Well, we work hard, uh, I think, in education today to make sure that every child is on a path that, that respects and values their learning style. So teachers work really, really hard to get to know every student, how they learn, what are the best times of the day, when do they need to have a break, and uh, so that's just a celebration of that. That was Earl Grey Principal Trish Penner, by the way, talking about the kindergarten farewell. I just like the idea of emphasizing this is a positive thing, a positive experience. As a texter just pointed out, some kids are extremely scared and hesitant when they first start kindergarten. So to me, this is a celebration of, hey, you did it, kind of proportions. Definitely a good thing. We want to keep this going after Global News at 1.30. So if you have any text or thoughts, send them to us by text at 204-780-6868. Or if you want to call, you know, what do you think about the idea of a kindergarten farewell, of a kindergarten graduation? Have we gone too far with celebrating everything? Or is it good... It, is it important to mark these sort of accolades, to give the kids a pat on the back as they make these, take these important steps? 204-780-6868 is the number to call and text. Backling and McGarry, the news is next. heard this once and that was in grade 12 isn't this the macho man's music <laughs> i don't know if it's the macho it's it's a uh, pomp and circumstance the graduation walking march okay i think this i can't remember if this is the macho man's theme music there seems to be a graduation at every turn nursery to kindergarten kindergarten to grade one after grade six after grade eight because i think you start high school in grade nine now we had a grade nine grad celebration uh, back in the day but we never played this song we were at a kindergarten farewell at earl gray school today in fort rouge and want to thank all the staff the parents and the kids for welcoming us with open arms today it was really cool to attend as we've confessed we were 
somewhat cynical going into this whole morning and the idea of celebrating these uh, these celebrations and celebrating celebrating these celebrations celebrating these milestones and it, it sometimes feels as though we overdo it a little bit but I've done a 180 on it uh, even though my kids went through this in kindergarten I thought it was adorable but I always felt in the back of my mind geez maybe this is just a little bit too much false sense of achievement uh, there was a genuine achievement there today and um, I, I'm glad we attended I am too it was uh, and like I've said before kids and me are are you know it's kind of I don't I don't hate kids but I, I'm certainly awkward around kids you did great uh, today. but it was a, it was really adorable and uh, Colin has been waiting patiently at 204 780 Hey, Colin, what do you think about kindergarten farewells? Colin, are you there? Uh-oh. Caller, Colin. Hey, can you hear me? Can you hear me? Can you hear you now? There we go. Um, yeah, you know, I'm, the more I've been thinking about it here since I called in, I'm a little bit on the fence. Um, I find it, I just, sometimes I wonder, just in the general concept, are we coddling kids too much? And it, it, does this play into that? You know, I love the idea of encouraging our kids and building our kids up and, and having them reach and strive. But if we're, if we're constantly giving them praise, what's happening to them when they're getting into the workforce and they don't get that constant praise? Yeah, and Colin, yeah. you know, it's an interesting question. And it, I, I often wonder that myself, what is going to happen when these kids grow up and go and get into the workforce and they fail? But what I'm seeing with our some of our younger colleagues here, I mean, we have some colleagues who are in the 18 to 19 year old range. And if they make a mistake, it, it just they don't even it doesn't even phase them. They just, oh, well, just move on to the next thing. Whereas if I make a mistake, I go home and beat myself up for three days. I'm very much the same way. I, I totally, totally get it. I, you know, I just, I guess it's just a little bit of, you know, maybe, maybe I'm seeing more of some, some of the things that we see where everything is a participation ribbon. There is no emphasis on um, that pursuit of excellence because everyone's a winner situation. You know, and I'm wondering, me, I just wonder if this ties into that. Do you, you know what I mean? Absolutely. I, I know it and I, I sense it and I ask those questions all the time. Colin, have you got kids yourself? I have two. One was actually born last weekend. Hey, congratulations. Hey. I always you. worry about that with my kids because I have twins. And so they they are constantly in competition and I don't want them to lose that sense of wanting to be better and wanting to be all that they can be. And I try to raise my kids exactly the same way. I've got one that could care less where he finishes in the standings and one that hates being anything less than first. So some, some of it is a little bit uh, in their DNA. Some of it is just their personality and how, how they're born and, and who can account for the rest of it. But uh, nurturing that idea of confidence, I'm, I'm starting to wonder if maybe that there, there's no such thing as uh, too much of that. Well, and I guess we're, I guess maybe this is just what I see, but I'm wondering in, in so many aspects of in the education system and in the government system, the, the schooling system is taking on so much uh, of that where I feel like a lot of that should be coming from the parents at home. All right. Hey, Colin, thanks for the call. We really appreciate uh, the call and that you waited so long to get on the air. Thanks a lot, man. Have a good weekend, okay? You too. Take care. All right. Yeah, that's a good point, too, about, you know, where does it come from, right? Mm-hmm. I had a talk with uh, loyal listener Neil last night. Uh, Neil, if you're listening, hope you're having a good afternoon. And he brought the point, you know, 
at one point in my school career, I had to go to summer school because I, I didn't do what I was supposed to do in the school year. And I learned my lesson. Well, with this no fail stuff now, are kids actually learning those lessons when they don't put in the required effort, the amount of effort that's necessary in order to accomplish and complete a task? That's a great question. That's uh, how do you learn? It's one thing to say, I think, because I think the thinking is if we just encourage them and teach them to believe in themselves and give them the confidence that they need to take on the world when they fail, maybe they'll be better equipped to deal with it. But at the same time, you're right. When you do fail and you fall down and you realize I screwed up and now these are the consequences of my mistakes, you learn from your mistakes. There's so if no you're taught more th- powerful lesson, right? So if you're taught that there are no mistakes, how do you learn anything? Interesting stuff. I want to read this text here from Amanda who says, Oh my goodness, heart emoji, heart emoji, heart emoji, heart emoji. I was having a blah day and feeling grumpy, and I turn on the radio to hear Lil Maya, what a beautifully articulate little girl, and her ice cream dream. Aw, thanks for sharing, guys. Made my day. Amanda, thank you for sharing that. Glad to hear. I mean, that was one of the things that I took out of it. It it was hard to go into that day, even with our cynicism, and walk out of there without big smiles on our faces, talking to those kids, Watson and Maya. (laughs) They're so cute. You know what? looks like Keith and I might be around the same age. He says, I'm 47, grew up in Beausager. We had grad from kindergarten back then, replete with cap and gown. Wow. How about that? It was back in 1975. Keith, thank you for sharing. Valerie is at 204-780-6868. Hey, Valerie, what do you think? Hey, you know, I have four kids. My last one was the only one that went through a little graduation. And it was cute. It was great. The boys always thought it was weird that she got to. But what I do now is I work with children less, uh, like, disadvantaged that may not have positive reinforcements or people in their life. So maybe maybe some of their caregivers don't care if they go to school or not. But at the end of the year, they feel like they belong. They feel like their classroom, and it's something that they accomplished. So I think it's great to have the little graduation at kindergarten, um, you know, and of course uh, your senior year, your grade 12 year. But I think that sometimes it's about the kids and that they felt like they belonged and that they accomplished something. Yeah, and you know what, Valerie, it teaches them also at an early age, not that not just within the confines of their household with their family, and hopefully they, they matter at home, but it teaches them that they matter, that they are important, and that what they do means something rather than just kind of coasting through life they're 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 sort of reinforced early on like hey what you're doing matters to the rest of the world absolutely absolutely so it's not so much sometimes about the the parents that don't want to go to those crazy christmas concerts oh my god now there's another graduation (laughs) you know that i listen to you guys complaining about but it's about the kids and it's to get them to move forward and it's something positive that uh, you know that the teachers can use, they can use. It's just it's just a positive thing that they did. Pride goes a long way, doesn't it, Valerie? Well, you know what we want our kids in school. It's important, and if we don't start being positive, you know, show some positives, um, it, it just it doesn't help. All right, Valerie, thank you so much for the call. 
But do you have a you question? Know, have a great day. You too. Bye-bye. You, you know, I thought uh, of all the things that Trish Penner said, the principal at Earl Grey, the one that resonated with me, you know, we've heard the saying that it takes a village to raise a child. Yeah. And she commented on all the people that were in the gym for that celebration today. And it wasn't just moms and dads. There were grandparents and friends and siblings. Yep. And that whole idea that you have someone to count on, I mean, you know, I know a wedding is a monumental day. And it's a monumental day because of the people that are there with you celebrating. And I just couldn't help but look around on the smiles on everyone's faces when those kids were getting their little fake diplomas. Yeah. And they were absolutely beaming. And that connection that was created. And when they heard their name and the applause, uh, there's something special about that, man. Uh, we still got to talk about the Spanish program. And we're going to do that after your forecast. But but before we do that, I just want to introduce you to this family. Greg, there was a little girl who was crawling <laughs> around. She was wearing a cute little dress. How old would you say she was? She was probably about 18, 19 months old, I would guess. So she took an interest in Greg because she saw the CJOB microphone and she was wondering what it was. So she craw- crawled over to Greg and started <laughs> crawling up his leg, more or less. So Greg had a, a brief chat. She was being encouraged as well by her 19-year-old sister. Just have a, a listen to this. Can you say birthday? Yep. You, yeah, that's right. You got it. Go ahead. Say birthday. Sheila. Birthday. Birthday. Here it comes. <laughs> I'm going to play that again. <laughs> so what she did at that point was she essentially put her mouth on the microphone and it was kind of like she was blowing bubbles. I couldn't hear that. until i listened back to the tape so that was really cute uh so we'll tell you more about that family and the spanish program at earl gray which was really neat to find out that they had we'll take a look at your forecast up next i'm brett mcgarry he is greg mackling and these are some kindergarten kids at Earl Grey School on Coburn. We were invited there today for the kindergarten farewell, kindergarten graduation, and these kids are singing in Spanish. We learned that this year they had their first ever Spanish kindergarten class. Now, before we had a look at your forecast, we spoke with, we were speaking with uh, a young family. Where was that? Ah, it was the the little girl who we were trying to get her to say birthday. <laughs> and uh so she was the daughter of deborah gomez and we talked to her about the spanish program so you have four daughters your youngest one here is in front of us and uh, your second youngest graduated or is celebrating her move from kindergarten to grade one yes for the uh, spanish immersion class also What's your take on the Spanish immersion? I think it's awesome. Uh, when my sister actually was the one that notified me, uh, she said they're not sure if the program is going to run yet, but they're asking for everyone to sign up. That way, if there's enough children, the city will actually follow through with the Spanish immersion. So as soon as she told me that I jumped to it, I was like, I'm in, let's go. I'm, I'm Spanish myself, you know, but... Where are you from? I'm from El Salvador. When did you come here? Uh, I was a young girl, so uh, over 20 years ago. So, 
So what area of the city do you live in? The tuxedo area. So I have to ask you, you said your oldest daughter is 19 and your youngest is like 19 months, basically, or close to it. The changes, you know, we came in a little bit cynical about this idea of celebrating a kindergarten graduation. My kids went through the same thing, but I certainly didn't. Did your oldest, did they do this when your oldest was coming through school? No, not at all. And you know what? To be honest, if it wasn't like the first years for this program, I really wouldn't care either. But because it's like the first ever Spanish immersion, right? So that's why I'm like, okay, I think it's an awesome idea. But if it wasn't this, for me, if it wasn't the Spanish immersion, I'd be like, eh, no big deal. You've got another grade six and then grade eight and then grade 12 graduations, too many of them, you know? And that was Deborah Gomez. She is a mother of four. Her, I guess her second second youngest is in graduating today. Ezra. And we also spoke with Steph Arison. Her daughter, Faith, was in the Spanish kindergarten class. Your daughter's in the first ever graduating class from Spanish kindergarten. Is it total Spanish immersion? What is it? Uh, The first kindergarten is all Spanish because it's half a day. And then once she goes to grade one, it'll be half Spanish, half English. Why was it important that you have your daughter in that that class? Um, My husband is from El Salvador, so he speaks Spanish. So... All of his family is Spanish, so I think it's great that she'll get a chance to, to pick it up now and pick up some of that culture. Do you think it's a good idea they have a celebration like this? Absolutely. This is a, a great day, a great marker, a great memory, a great great day. I think she really nailed it there. As far If, if nothing else came out of today, it's going to be a great memory for both the parents and the kids. Yeah, no, I, I think that's accurate. And we are getting, as we expected, some conflicting philosophies on this. Cam says, I think celebrating kids' kindergarten graduation is like giving kids participation ribbons. And that I do not agree with. And and Cam, you're not alone in that take on this entire idea of celebrating this milestone in this fashion. And we also have a text here from Trevor, who has pointed out a quote from the Australian comedian Jim Jeffries who said, how do you know what you're good at if they tell you you're good at everything? So it is interesting, and I guess we're going to have to wait about 15 to 20 years (laughs) to find out what these kids are going to be like when they get into the quote-unquote real world. Are they going to be able to deal with failure? So far, what I'm seeing from young people is no problems whatsoever, but... You know, things continue to change, and a lot of people think that we're coddling our kids too much. I went into today thinking exactly that, that this ceremony was sort of the definition of coddling, and I came out of it with a totally different perspective to see how many, all the people in that room who cared about these little kids and their achievements and the parents, all the pride that was just, like, shining off of them. I thought it was a, a wonderful day and good for Earl Grey for having it in, and thank you for inviting us to join the party today. I think that's the key word in it all, and that's the P word you used there, Brett, and it's pride. It was it Watson's dad, Paul, who said... Chris. Oh, Chris, sorry, who said, we're talking about, and these kids are talking about and learning about things in school that we never even discussed. And for that, I'm grateful that the system is doing that, but I'm also, uh, I'm encouraged by how connected kids are to what's going on in the world. 
Of course, they have the technology to do so, but there is a genuine connection there. Uh, Say what you want about uh, electronics. Kids are smart now or smarter than they've ever been, and that's my personal opinion on it. Thank you, Earl Grey School, for having us out today for the kindergarten farewell. Oh, and by the way, a couple of people have texted to confirm Pomp and Circumstance was indeed the Macho Man's music. Hopefully, you would be tuned in anyway. Dr. Cyrus Dirksen, normally at 2.30 on Fridays, we had to juggle the lineup a little bit. So, Dr. Dirksen, thanks for doing that for us. We appreciate it. DrCyrus.com, if you'd like to learn more about our esteemed guest, joins us every Friday, save for the odd one here and there. And Mm -hmm. and we appreciate uh, your family time as well. Brett McGarry, Greg Mackling with you until 4 o'clock. And we are going to talk about does birth order affect personality in just a moment. But we wanted to get your input a little bit on, on a couple of things. Text message here. And also just the story that we've been covering and discussing the first hour, this idea of highlighting and celebrating life's milestones. It feels as though we're, we're celebrating these micro achievements uh, more than ever. Is, is there a benefit there, Dr. Cyrus? Well, I think that, uh, you know, I've never seen research and there might be out there. I've never, I've never done the research on whether, you know, uh, milestones at a young age, like, uh, you know, kindergarten graduation or things like that would have a strong effect on later life. My, my opinion would probably be that something that um, minor in somebody's life probably doesn't. However, I think it is good for parents to be celebrating their children. I think that I see an effect of parents who celebrate, who reinforce, who praise their kids. And if a kindergarten celebration, if a kindergarten graduation is an opportunity to tell children uh, about how happy you are with their success in a sincere manner, I think that's great. And if it leads to a nice dinner, but in family time, I think those are good things. So um, yeah, it's good. But I, I think you could probably celebrate other things about the kids too. It doesn't have to be necessarily a kindergarten graduation. Why do you think that you said that it probably doesn't really have a big effect on the kids? So mm. why do you think that is? Well, I think it has a good, like it makes for a good day. But I think if you took children at 21 and you took children who didn't have, you know, June 22nd graduation from kindergarten and you took children who did, I don't think that you're going to find an effect on their on their IQ or on their personality. However, if you if you want to say it gave them a good day, yeah, I think it has an effect. If you want to say that uh, it's good to celebrate, yes. If you And if you took probably parents who didn't celebrate their children versus parents who did celebrate their children and you looked at them at 21, I think then you would probably have a bigger effect. Um, but, uh, you know, whether you'd celebrate uh, that one day um, – is probably not going to have that, you know, make the difference for somebody's life. Now I want to read. Oh, go ahead. Brett. Sorry, just the the follow up is uh, is it just because they're is it because they're too young to really mm. uh, appreciate the achievement? Like whereas when you know when you mm-hmm. reach the end of the line in high school, your whole life has been school, so graduating from high school is a big deal. But when you're in kindergarten, mm-hmm. you kind of just want to play. So, <laughs> so is, is that what's going on? Well, I think that this is a tricky thing for kids with memory and their kids. Sometimes parents will feel like what they do before their children will ever, like if, they, if they're at a stage of life where their children won't later remember, parents will sometimes feel like what they do doesn't matter. So will they remember it? Maybe not. 
will you know will it be the crowning achievement and you know uh, listed in their eventual you know speeches about what made a difference in their life probably not however just because somebody doesn't remember something doesn't mean that it doesn't have a significant impact on their personality or adjustment um, you can look at somebody uh, you know, in this in a senior home, and they may have forgotten their entire life, but the type of life they had still predicts their emotional adjustment. Just because I don't remember how I learned to play piano doesn't mean I don't enjoy it when I still can play piano at a later age. So, if you take a if you take a child and they were abused when they were between the ages of zero and one, they later on will have a dramatic impact from what even if they don't remember what happened. There's a dramatic impact on their ability to trust other people, on their ability to be emotionally stable. And they may wonder, they may say, what happened to me? Why do I keep reacting to people in all these different ways that I don't want to react, but I still do react and I can't control? Well, so does the graduation, can they remember the kindergarten graduation? No, but whether you celebrate your children can have a dramatic impact on later life so just because you can't take just because they won't remember disneyland doesn't mean you don't take them you want to give your kids a good time you want to you want to be with your kids you want to enjoy your children and um, those are the key things well the other thing i mentioned to brett while we were at this event today was like maybe the more we celebrate these little milestones uh, i know i'm trying to bang into my kids' heads, that grade 12 (laughs) graduation for high school, that is not a big deal, Mm, okay? That's just one little thing. And so if it is one of five celebrations they've had along the Mm -hmm. way, maybe it won't be Mm -hmm. as big a deal. And then the transition to university, college, Mm -hmm. trade school, wherever they, Mm -hmm. you know, end up going, missionary work, whatever they end up doing after high school, maybe that transition then won't be a big deal. But I want to read this text message. With helicopter parenting and our politically correct world, most people are raising a generation of pansies that'll get eaten alive in the real world. Sad. Mm. So I'm guessing you, do you want me to comment on this? Oh, yes, please. <laughs> <Waiting>. <laughs> okay. Well, I think, uh, you know, there's some truth and, and some not truth to that. I think that um, helicopter parenting, I define helicopter parenting as a negative thing when parents are intrusive. So if you have a child doing a task at their table, And they're doing fine in terms of like they're encouraged, they're trying, they're solving the problem. They might not have solved it yet, but they're working at it and they're not, they're not crying. They're, they're just working at it. And you see the parent's hand reach in and start to solve the problem for them. That's intrusive. I would consider that generally, I mean, it's not going to destroy the child if you do that once. You don't have to feel guilty as a parent. However, if you're reaching in and you're intruding, it does cause uh, increased children's anxiety. So... Supervi- and But this is all like, it's, it's really good to be what you would likely consider a helicopter parent when a child is under one. So it's all developmentally oriented. Like, are you doing this the right amount of supervision for the age of your child? So you want to be, and supervision is hugely important. So I encourage parents to supervise, but you don't want to become intrusive. In terms of turning children into pansies, it's, it's a great word. <laughs> the the children who are who okay, I'm going to change the word. The children who aren't able to cope with difficulty aren't the children who have attentive parents. 
Now, intrusive parenting, helicopter parenting, does create children sometimes with more anxiety. But the children that I see who aren't able to cope with life, who are having difficulty coping with general, you know, school or social problems or things like that, aren't the children who have attentive, uh, supervising, uh, caring, encouraging, rewarding parents. The children, if it's a parenting problem, and sometimes it is, the type of parenting that leads to children that can't cope is traumatic parenting. It's kids who actually have an extreme amount of difficulty in their life and no support in dealing with it. Those are the children who are actually having difficulty coping with problems, not the parents, not the not uh, the kids of parents who uh, give appropriate challenges and supervision and care and support when things are hard. Does... I'm just thinking now from trying to think at least from a parent's perspective because I am not a parent. But when, you know, when I think about all this stuff, if I were a parent, I'd be listening to Dr. Cyrus right now and thinking, God, I, I hope I'm doing the, doing the right thing. Can that fear of screwing up your kid's life kind of lead parents down a road where they actually are doing a bad job because they're scared to do a bad job? Does that make sense? Uh, well, yeah, I think that... You know, if, if parents are too afraid, um, they they may become kind of intrusive. Like they might become, uh, you know, uh, they might solve their child's problems for them when there's still an opportunity and a possibility that the child can solve it themselves. We want to challenge our children and we want to give them space to to work it out. But if the child's not able to solve it, if the child gets emotionally upset, it's perfectly acceptable to go in and give support, emotional support, or perhaps some help with the problem. That's fine. Now, now talking about personality, if you have anxiety about parenting in a general sense, that's a good thing. I like a certain amount of anxiety in people. Another word for that would be, if you put it in personality terms, would be conscientiousness. Conscientiousness is predictive of a lot of good things including income, and um, conscientiousness in parenting leads to the reading of books, the getting of counseling, the you know introspection, the um, supervision of children, the, um, you know, so, all, and all of those things are very good. We don't, some of the, some of the worst parenting traits uh, or, or behaviors are, I mean, you could say abuse, but neglect or the lack of care, the lack of anxiety, the thinking that I don't have to watch my children, I don't have to attend to my children, I, they're just going to turn out even if I just turn my back is the opposite of the direction where we want to go. Those, those parents don't have enough anxiety. They don't have enough uh, anxiety to propel them to kind of do what they need to do as parents. Well, we always talk in this realm and in, in broadcasting and performing, uh, doing a presentation. Mm-hmm. A little bit of nervousness is good because mm-hmm. that means you're conscientious. You want to be able to do a good job. Why don't we press pause there? Mm-hmm. We'll update the weather forecast such as it is. And then when we come back, we'll talk about this idea of birth order. And, you know, not that we're going to, maybe some do, turn over our whole, whole parenting philosophy based on the <laughs> what order your kids were were born, but uh, we'll find out if there is anything to this effect on personality um, when you're born in relation to your siblings. We'll talk about that when we come back. It's Greg and Brett along with Dr. Cyrus. Greg Mackling, Brett McGarry, Dr. Cyrus Dirksen joining us in studio, drcyrus.com if you'd like to learn more about this registered psychologist who <laughs> fills us with knowledge every Friday. If you'd like to connect with him, uh, please feel free to do so via the website. Uh, Brett is a twin. I have twins. I'm the oldest of 
five mm-hmm. siblings and the whole idea of birth order and who's older even comes into effect with my twins. Uh, Brendan is 15 minutes older. He might as well be 15 months older, the way he treats his little brother. And I've just always been fascinated with the idea of of birth order and does it affect our personality and our interpersonal relationships, in particular with our siblings. Mm -hmm. Yeah, birth order. I mean, it's, it's definitely gotten a lot of press. It's gotten a lot of psychology press over the years. It has a lot of theories behind it. And I'm a little bit sad to say that the research around birth order is not as overwhelmingly strong as the initial theories would suggest. So, you know, is there a birth order effect? I would say probably, uh, I think would be the concluding statement, but it's not huge and it's kind of maybe not well understood, the, the kind of small amount of, of birth, you know, in, in terms of its effect on personality. So I should say that in terms of its effect on personality, it's probably there. It's not that strong, likely, because we're not seeing huge effects and it's not clear. And But maybe if we got a little bit more accurate and figured out a little better, we would see it a little bit more clearly. But yeah, it's not, it's not as big as kind of what our society would say, and it's not as big as what kind of some of the forefathers or the fathers of psychology maybe thought. Um, What would they have thought or what did they think? Well, I think that, you know, uh, well, to tell you the truth, I'm not actually an expert on birth order psychology. Um, You mean there's a whole area of study on this stuff? Oh, yeah. Oh, my. This is kind of a, this is a whole thing. And, uh, you know, just like Freud or this would be kind of more in the camp, I think, of Alfred Adler and, and kind of inferiority complexes and, um, and any, and things like that. So, um, I think that the, the effect, you know, the general effect, uh, you know, of birth order would be that the, uh, you know, that firstborns are kind of stronger and, and people who are younger, more babied and people uh, or later are the youngest. And then the middle child would have more of a complex of some kind. And, um, sounds about right to me. What else do we have to talk about? <laughs> you just kind of shoehorned me into saying what you wanted me to say here. Thank you. That's the end of our conversation. <laughs> you were right. I was wrong. So, but we do see one of the, maybe one thing that we do see, uh, is that IQ is maybe a bit more affected by birth order. So people who are born earlier uh, seem to have a bit of a higher IQ. Can so you repeat first- that for all my siblings <laughs> at home, please? But people who are first born seem to have a little bit of a higher cognitive ability, uh, a higher IQ. Um, and one of the bigger effects is not necessarily birth order, but family size. Family size seems to be, but they're so related, you know, so people often confuse them. Um, so you could be a firstborn of two, but you could also be a firstborn of five, and that might be different. Um, and there's very f- little research that actually controls the family size. People will generally just say, are you firstborn, secondborn, thirdborn? But they don't say, okay, we're only looking at families that have three siblings. And of all the families with three siblings, are you firstborn, secondborn, or thirdborn? So that firstborn might be a family of two. The firstborn might be a family of five. And that seems to be important. Mm-hmm. Um so we have to kind of, and family size, if you have a bigger family, then you start seeing bigger effects because the family has fewer resources for their family. Um, people who are higher, like, uh, higher earners and, high, and uh, have more um, 
higher, you know, better jobs and things generally have smaller families. So when they say, you know, all 23 out of 25 astronauts who have been in space or been to the moon or whatever it was, I forget, are all firstborn, that might be that they're all, like, those might be very small families. So that might, it, it's just more likely that you're a firstborn when you come from a small family. If it's all families of two or one, well, then it's like, well, yeah, like, you have a 50-50 chance of having a firstborn. But a lot of those astronauts might not have been coming from large families where mm. it's like, uh, you know, maybe a 1 in 10 or 1 in 20 or 1 in 30, you know, uh, maybe only a 20% chance of being a firstborn. So I don't know if that made sense, but... Uh, it's more likely that astronauts probably come from smaller family sizes for a few different reasons. So that's something that is a bigger effect for sure. You mentioned families of one, and this uh, this article here that we're looking at, Does Birth Order Affect Personality from Psychology Today, references a study in China, which uh, the results showed that only children exhibited higher flexibility scores, which is apparently a dimension of creativity, and lower agreeableness mm-hmm. scores than non-only children. Mm-hmm. Why do you think that would be a lower agreeableness score? Well, I mean, you would think, and this is where the theories start, you would think that people who grow up in families have to be more agreeable because they have more people to deal with in their family. And people who are kind of grow up alone maybe don't have to deal with other people as much, and so they don't kind of learn those skills. I'll give you an example, because that that piece of research kind of is kind of small and from China, so, you know, it's how much does it apply? But another piece of research that's interesting is people who travel. If you actually take people and you send them to another place in the world for a certain amount of time, I was, I'm not sure exactly how long they went. I think it was like a study abroad thing, so maybe a few weeks. And you take them back, they come back, and they're more agreeable. Hmm. And they're more open. So it's not just open people who are going. Uh, they came, they became more agreeable. They became more open. Based on that experience, based potentially? Based on overseas. So it's a very hmm. intense experience. Sure. And this answers a bit of a question, like, can your personality change? It seems it can. Uh, and it seems that being around other people, being in difficult circumstances, makes you a little bit more open. That makes sense. And it means you kind of have to get along. Otherwise, you're not really going to survive out there. So... It makes you a bit more agreeable. So our life experiences and theoretically birth order do seem to have an impact on people, especially, I think, when they're pretty intense. Um, Then people are more likely to have personality changes of some kind. DrCyrus.com is the website. His name is Dr. Cyrus Dirksen. He is a registered psychologist once again. Normally he joins us Fridays at 2.30, but we have a guest who could only be on with us at 2.30 today, so Dr. Cyrus was kind enough to switch things around. He'll be back next week at 2.30. The news is coming up next. 2.34, Friday afternoon on this uh, April afternoon. Yuck. Uh, no more <laughs> lamenting the wet. No, I can't pro- even promise to stop lamenting it. Driving me nuts. Uh, a lot of people have been talking about the National Hockey League entry draft. That goes in Chicago this weekend. First round is tonight. And a lot of people wishing that Winnipeg would go after the entry draft. A good opportunity to show off Winnipeg in the summertime or, or early summer. Well, if we were hosting this year, we'd be inviting the entire NHL to come here for 12, 13, 14 degrees Celsius weather. And people will be leaving going, see, it is winter peg, 10 months of the year. So (laughs) it's a good thing we don't have the entry draft this year. I'll get off that soapbox. All right. And I want to talk about traffic oddities in Winnipeg, or maybe not, maybe that's the wrong word, but how about curiosities? Because there are spots, I think, I bet you 
throughout the city that you kind of wonder, am I supposed to be doing this right now? I don't really know. So I had a couple of examples in my head, and I first asked the police because I wasn't sure if it was a you know if they if their traffic unit would be the guys to talk to to tell me whether or not it's legal to do this or that that and they said no you need to talk to the city so we got Louis Escobar with the city of Winnipeg he is at last check manager of transportation Louis is that still your title that is still my title excellent thank you so much for joining us today on 680 CJOB so the the main thing that really kind of got me thinking about this Louis is mm-hmm. I live just off of Cordon, so I often find myself coming from either Osborne or Donald. So I'm going southbound, and I'm now, and I'm trying to bring the listener into the car with me here. So I'm on southbound Pemina, and I'm going to turn right to go westbound on Cordon. Now the stop line there, before that turn, is a fair distance back from Cordon, because there's the the buses that come out of the bus lane to your left right there. So it always feels kind of weird if uh, I want to turn right there on the red. I feel like I'm sneaking into an intersection and I'm turning right on red. So the question I have for you, Louis, are you allowed to turn right on red at that spot? Um, as far as I'm remembering, there's no sign that tells you that you cannot turn right on red. You are so correct. Techni- technically, you can make that t- right turn on red on red. But you have to do so when it's safe. Okay. Now, so, sorry, sorry. Go ahead, Louis. Okay. Go ahead. Yeah. So, in order to do that uh, right turn, uh, you have to make sure that there are no pedestrians in front of you uh, on the crosswalk, and that there is no uh, vehicular or, uh, or other traffic uh, in front of you that uh, which may which you may collide with. Um, and you write the uh, stop line, especially in that curb lane, to make that right turn is uh, uh, quite a setback from from the uh, actual intersection with Corridon, so it does feel unusual. But uh, uh, technically, yes, you can make that right turn on red. Now, Louis, it's Greg speaking. There is a little bit of another wrinkle at that intersection, and that's that, I like to call it that island for transit, that bus island. Mm-hmm. And uh, so that bus traffic, it's got sort of an exclusive bus lane that comes off that island in the middle of Confusion Corner. And then mm-hmm. there could be a bus that's going to court. And so that doesn't, that wouldn't change the rule at all? Well, that would be like uh, trying to make a right turn on red on any, at any intersection, right? Right, right. If you, do so in, if you do so in front of traffic that is approaching the intersection, then you're in the wrong, right? So it's, it's not different. And to you listening to this radio station right now, if you have any questions for Louis, if you've ever sort of found yourself in an intersection where you kind of wonder, what are the rules for this? Just shoot him a, shoot us a text, 204-780-6868, and we'll see if we can quiz Mr. Escobar. The second one that I had for you, Louis, is mm-hmm. westbound Provence. So you're, you're, you've yep. just come off the bridge, and you have the option where because the, the two lanes on the left keep going straight, or it sort of splits there. I guess at this point it's Pioneer now. And mm-hmm. uh, so when you, where it splits to turn right to northbound Westbrook. So we've just passed Shaw Park. We've just passed the Ball Diamond. And you want to turn right on Westbrook. That's the only way you can go is to that turn is right there. So the, when the light is red, are you allowed? Is that the same kind of situation then? Are you allowed to turn right on the red? Uh, yeah, that is correct. Uh, the Highway Traffic Act uh, says that uh, you can make a right turn on red, and uh, you have to do so from the rightmost lane. So it's not from every lane. 
it's from the rightmost lane. Yeah, if there's no, you know, again, no pedestrian traffic and no vehicular traffic interfering, oh. uh, you can make a right turn on red. And actually, that's the same as uh, uh, Dr. Eric and Fairmore, uh, Fairmore and uh, uh, Jubilee, uh, uh, the exit of um, the St. Vitale Shopping Center and uh, St. Mary's Road. Whatever we have uh, uh, dual uh, right turns. Uh, coming out of a, you know, approaching an intersection, you can make you can make that right turn on red, provided there is not a sign that says that you can't. So, if you're talking about westbound Furmore at Dunkirk, there is now a no right turn on red sign. Mm-hmm. Forever, it was uh, it was not there, and I've just noticed it in the last handful of years. But you're Correct. saying that I could only do that in the rightmost lane. I can't do that from both lanes. If it was legal, and the example we're using right now is Pioneer at Westbrook, only if I'm in mm-hmm. the rightmost lane. If I'm in that left lane, I'm out of luck on that one, huh? Well, uh, I, you know what? I should have checked the highway traffic out, but uh, you know, to play it on the safe side, I would say use the right lane only, the, the rightmost lane only. Uh, I would have to go and uh, verify that that is the case uh, uh, in all situations. But I know that in order to turn right on red, you have to do so with the uh, on the rightmost lane. Well, I'm glad we brought that up because I was I was sitting at that light and it was turned red and people in both lanes were just kind of going it was just like mm-hmm. fire fire at will and <laughs> yeah. i thought well, yeah, yeah. well why even uh, why even have a red light there but i know it's because there's traffic that might be coming well through. there's pedestrians too right yeah there, there's pedestrians i want to uh, cross uh, go across uh, westbrook but uh yeah uh, um i i'm not 100 percent sure and like i said i, I should have uh, checked the Ohio traffic act sometimes you know i can only be 99 percent correct well, unfortunately <laughs> I'm, I'm gonna guess that your 99 percent correct is in fact true We're, we are getting some text questions here from our listeners and uh yeah, sure. this is another great one hopefully you know the answer to this arlington from portage to mm-hmm. notre dame is yep. it two or four lanes, so two lanes each way, yeah. or uh, one lane each way. Yeah, just uh, one lane each way. Those are very wide lanes. Um, there's only a, a, a yellow line uh, between uh, each side. Um, that means that there's only one lane per direction. But those are very wide lanes. That's. Uh, I'm glad that. Thank you for the suggestion, by the way, to this unnamed listener, because I know that any time I found myself driving on Arlington and there, people would treat it as two mm-hmm. lanes, I thought, yeah. man, this is so tight for two lanes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, yeah, it's not wide. I can remember being at a, a a meeting of some sort and somebody asking, I think it was the reorganization potentially of, of routes in and around Pola Park, and, and Arlington mm-hmm. always came up. And I always wondered why then, if it was only one lane, why there wouldn't be maybe some painting that would indicate, you know, uh, don't go here. There's just one lane, but uh, um, that might get even more complicated. A yes. listener asking eastbound Jubilee, turning right onto southbound Osborne, that's kind of that yep. same sort of dead end situation. So yeah, that's uh, the example that I gave you, where you can, uh, if uh, if there's no sign that says uh, don't uh, don't turn right on red, then you can. But uh, just to be on the safe side, make sure you're on the rightmost lane. I just want to also acknowledge a text from Darcel here, who oddly enough just pointed out the same thing about Arlington and the same example I gave about westbound yeah. Provence slash Pioneer. Darcel mm-hmm. brings up an interesting question. Uh, he, is, could it, should we have signs on Arlington to, to indicate that it's only one lane, that the lanes are just really wide? Because it's so common to see people treated as two lanes. Mm-hmm. Um, normally, that uh, it would, there's no, for one, there's no signs 
uh, approved for use in the in the manual uh, that we use for signing uh, to indicate that. So we will have to convince the rest of Canada that we, for some reason, there's a need for a sign like that in order for that sign to be added to the manual. Well, didn't we have, didn't we have now, Louis, the mm-hmm. city of Winnipeg is a pioneer here. Didn't we have the first uh, green U-turn arrow southbound McPhillips at uh, Kingsbury? Kingsbury, wasn't that a very yep. first time ever for that signal? Uh, and I believe we're the only ones who have it still. Uh, but that is, uh, that was approved in the, in the manual uh, and we can, that was, uh, that's why we're able to use it. But uh, yeah, we're, that's one of those uh, unusual intersections where we couldn't, you know, the traffic, you know, in order to make a, a U-turn, you have to make a left turn. But we couldn't use a, the traditional left turn arrow because we were point, the arrow pointing the direction that, that goes against the traffic of Kingsbury. Kingsbury only is, uh, it's only one lane um, uh, away from the intersection. So, so we had to get that uh, sign approved so we can actually install a, a U-turn arrow. We just got uh, somebody texted here. I think this is regarding the westbound Provence slash Pioneer to northbound Westbrook. And uh, now they're, they're saying maybe they're, I, I said that you're 99% positive that you had the right answer, but you were slightly unsure. They're saying now police have stated on Twitter that both lanes are acceptable for turning right oh, on red. Well, so maybe yeah, that is something yeah. we'll have to double check. Yeah, I stand corrected. Then, well, um, well, well, I'll have to find the tweet as well. That's not, yeah. now I need to do some homework. Well, yeah, true, true. And now the true test is always a court. Is, is what is always the court? Yeah. Oh, so to get pulled over and then take it to court. Hey, um, Lu- yeah. hey Louie, how about this? Yeah. How about uh, uh, for Arlington? We're always mm-hmm. looking for bike lanes in this town. A texter just said regarding Arlington, paint a bike lane along the curb. Problem solved. <laughs> Uh, you know what we we uh, we have thought about it, uh, but we're gonna have we would have to find a way to deal with uh, parking uh, properly because uh, parking is allowed right on any uh, on one side of the street. So we need to figure out how to do that properly. We looked at figuring out whether we could do uh, three three lanes, meaning having a, a middle lane so that we can allow left turns more easily and 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 have the uh, the the one lane per direction uh, realigned a little better. So we've been looking at this. Uh, wide street for a long time and trying to figure out um, uh, solutions that help us uh, clarify things, but at the same time see if we can enhance uh, uh, the mobility uh, along uh, Arlington. So uh, on the surface, the solutions look easy. Once we get into the uh, uh, nitty-gritty of the details, then it becomes a little bit more complicated. All right, Louis, just hang on a sec. We've got to check the forecast. Louis Escobar is the manager of transportation for the city of Winnipeg, and he is very graciously sort of trying to help us solve some traffic curiosities. I had, I've always been curious about the Corridon one because I live in the area, and I always felt like I was breaking the law. <laughs> Am I allowed to turn? Because I don't want to be the guy who's sitting at the front of the line. Yeah, and then, the, and then uh, Winnipeg's finest are there to greet you and, and hand you a piece of paper that says, uh, pay this or see you in court. Yeah. So now I know I can go. Thank you, Louie. Stand by. We're going to check the forecast. We're getting some people calling in with some questions, so we'll get to those. And we actually had a couple of other questions for Louie as well. Got to look at your forecast. Up next. Do you know what? Do you know the song, McGarry? No, I don't. 
Judas Priest. Oh man, I got chips in my throat. <coughs> Judas Priest breaking the law, baby. Oh. <laughs> of course, yeah, I should know that. Breaking the law, breaking the law. Let's see if we can skip ahead. Well, you know what? We don't have a whole lot of time here, so let's get Louis Escobar back on here. Oh, there we go. Breaking the law. Manager of transportation for the city of Winnipeg is Louis Escobar. We're talking about traffic oddities, and we have some people on the line, and we want to get to those in a moment. But, Louis, you mentioned something off the air. You said wide turns on Broadway. What uh, intersection are you referring to? Oh, uh, it can be any. Uh, it could be uh, Donald Smith, uh, uh, Hargrave, Carlton. Uh, a lot of people tend to think that uh, when they make a left turn, going eastbound or westbound, uh, they have to stop in the median because they are as soon as they finish making that turn and getting into a median, they see a red light. But uh, in fact, what they have, what they should be doing is make, finishing that left turn because uh, uh, as long you know they don't obviously you don't you don't make it in front of traffic, but you make sure that there's an opening and then you finish that left turn. Uh, the red the red lights that people see uh, when they make that left turn is for the traffic waiting on on uh, let's say on Hargrave, not if you were uh, making a left turn from Broadway. So that is something that uh, you know a lot of a lot of people tend to sort of jam the right sort of the, the the intersection with all traffic piling up, and it's because some people think that that uh, red light applies to them when in fact it doesn't. It, they just have to make sure that they finish that left turn safely. Once they're inside the median, some people get the impression, now that light applies to them. I know my kids, every time I do that left turn, Dad, you just went through a red light. (laughs) No, I did not, boys. That's correct. Uh, Actually, to a a greater sort of extent, but it's the same thing, would be uh, Bishop Grandin and uh, River Road. Let's say you're going uh, Mm -hmm. eastbound on River Road, on Bishop Grandin, you turn left. You You can finish that turn because you're just finishing your left turn. Yeah, you don't have to wait in the median. Susan has been waiting patiently. Susan, what is your question for Louie about Winnipeg traffic curiosities? Um, I have a question. Do you have anything to do with the signage? Uh, Yes. So my question is, um, there's a school just on Taylor and Harrow. Okay. Okay, so if you're traveling uh, west on Taylor, it Mm -hmm. says 60 kilometers an hour. Yes. That's by the school. Okay, if you're going east on Taylor by the school, it's just 50 kilometers an hour. Nobody can explain to me why one side is 50 and one side is the other side is 60. All right, Susan, thank you for that. Louis, uh, what do you think about that? Uh, there must be probably somebody put the signs, uh, either the signs are in the, uh, uh, need to a little bit of adjustment, but it's a transition area probably. Uh, and where, when there's a transition area, it may look, it may look like that. If the 50 might not, well, I, I can't, uh, speak, uh, I, I can't, uh, sort of, um, um, so you're not, that you're not familiar right with now. it off the top of your head. Uh, correct. But there, but, uh, what she may be referring to is this, is this, is about the sign that says 50 ahead, meaning the, the, it's the, the warning sign telling you that, uh, the 50 is coming up. So, uh, but I would have to confirm that if there is, in fact, uh, uh, a misalignment in the signs, uh, I will ask uh, the proper crews to, to make sure that that gets uh, corrected. 
Well, and you know what? I live not all that far from there, Susan, so maybe I'll go out and take a look uh, tonight mm-hmm. to see. Uh, but you know what? We, unfortunately, are out of time. we got tons of text messages, and I see Rosalind and Steve on the line, and I'm sorry. I'll talk to you off the air in a moment here. But, Louis, uh, thank you for this. We appreciate it, and it looks like we could have gone for a lot longer on this based on oh, all the texts yeah, we're yeah, getting. So yeah, maybe yeah. we'll revisit this yeah. topic uh, sometime down the road. Yeah, certainly. All right, Louis, thank you so much for this. Louis Escobar is the manager of transportation for the city of Winnipeg. Thanks to everybody for your calls. Rosalind and Steve, hang on. I'll talk to you off the air right after this. Holy moly. We've never got more text messages on something that was out of our control in our entire lives, I don't think. (laughs) We're going to compile all these, send them to the city, get the answers uh, best as we can. Arlington, such a point of contention, has been since I was a little kid, Brett, uh, just... I used to cringe when I would ride with my grandpa Mm -hmm. in his car on Arlington because he knew it was one lane in each direction and he was going to let the rest of the world know that it was one lane in each direction. He would place his car perfectly so that no one could get up beside him on the left or on the right. He was determined to enforce that rule with or without a badge. That was his, that was one of his main sticking points was the fact that people uh, used Arlington as two lanes in each direction. He he knew better. And the other one that he hated was trucks on Wooliver Avenue, even though there's a no truck route sign oh, right really? at the corner of Wall and Wooliver. He used to stand out and he used to take names and call companies and say, did you know that your truck was down on Wooliver at three o'clock on Friday afternoon? That is not a truck route. You'd say it just like that. That's tremendous. Uh, Reese pointed out, he says, holy, <clears throat> I lived off of Arlington near Inkster, and I have been treating it as two lanes this entire time. The whole time he thought Arling- Arlington was two lanes each way. And a lot of people do, Reese. Uh, and I think actually somebody had submitted a sign because, yes, see, Darcel says the first sign could be used for Arlington, could it not? Um, I answered Darcel, and okay. I said that sign typically indicates two-way traffic, yeah. but it could prompt people the same sort of way. It wouldn't be an inaccurate sign yep. to tell you that it's two-way traffic, um, but it may prompt people to think about it. I like the idea of the bike lane. I don't know why it's taking so long, but I just, uh, in terms of uh, Reese, in terms of Arlington, we're talking about south of Notre Dame to Portage Avenue. North of Notre Dame to the bridge, it is four lanes. And I think north of the Arlington overpass, all the way up until Inkster, I think it is four lanes, but it's between Portage Avenue and Notre Dame where it's an issue, Yeah, where it's just got the yellow line. <laughs> Lots of people going back and forth on Twitter. Somebody sent us the tweet about Arlington oh, really? and whether it's two lanes or not. And some of the comments on that tweet are absolutely hilarious. Do you want me to start with Chris's Chris's tweet back on October 21st, 2014? Is Arlington a two-lane or a four-lane street? There's never painted lane lines. Bus drivers uh, drive like there's four lanes, your opinion. The police say Arlington is a two-lane street. While it's wide, there are no designated lanes painted. We all need to drive safe and with respect. And once again, that pertains to the section of Arlington between Portage and Notre Dame. Chris says, thank you for clearing that up and helping keep Winnipeg safe every day. Arlington is a two-lane street. While it's wide, there are no designated painted. Could we do a 60-second driver on this? And then it goes on and on, people chiming in about 
about no lines. We don't have lines half of the year anyway. What difference does it make? And it gets quite humorous. Uh, and, you know, the paint on the lines on the street, painted lines make a huge difference. It's like a new road Sorry. when we get the paint. So are police saying that it's two lanes each way? No, no, it's a two-lane road. Okay. One lane each way. And I had asked, uh, somebody had said, I wonder if that's the tweet that I, because somebody had said that uh, in reference to Pioneer and Westbrook, so where you're turning right onto Westbrook off of Pioneer, or Provence, if you want to look at it as Provence, technically it's Pioneer, but um, Louis Escobar with the city had suggested that you can only turn right on red there if you're in the most right-hand lane, but... That was the tweet you were looking for. Yeah. So I'm, I'm maybe I maybe I just have my wires crossed on here because we're getting so many text messages and uh, we do the best we can to reply to all of them, but it's hard to keep track. Mailman Randy says Arlington from Mountain to Inkster is only one lane both ways, and uh, I'll take your word for that, Randy. I suspect you're absolutely correct on that. Um, and I so I, if it, maybe if you know, and again, okay, police on Twitter had stated two lanes before, so you know what? I think this person whose name is Matt was referring to Arlington and not Westbrook. So pardon me, Matt, you did find the tweet as requested because I replied to him and said, hey, can you find this tweet? And he did. So thank you very much for that. I appreciate it. And all of your your comments here. I think what we're going to have to do, as Greg said, suggested, is compile all of these and maybe bring Louie back. Maybe we'll get him in studio, see if he can devote an hour to us. Because we had lots of calls, I think. I mean, I was kind of having fun learning about this stuff. And we had... I'm going to see if I can find the text here. Hang on a second. Uh, this was it regarding turning right on red. Uh, where is it? How, I, about, how about this? We had the caller who was talking about Taylor Avenue. Mm-hmm. And I think it was... She was asking about westbound. Why on westbound Taylor after Harrow is it 50 and uh, eastbound... Taylor, uh, before and after Harrow is at 60. I'm on Google Street View right now, and halfway through that schoolyard on Taylor Avenue westbound, uh, it, it says 60. There's a great big 60 sign. I don't know how old this picture is on Google Street View, but it, it's 60. So uh, maybe take a drive down there, like you said, you might, and see if there's a lack of continuity in that signage, because Louis sounded like he was going to look into that. Because that is sort of common. Sometimes it's 60 going one way and 50 the other. Well, if, if you're closer a, to the school. If there's a median, typically. Like if on a, I think there's a spot on Nairn Avenue where it might be 50 going west and 60. Going, don't quote me on this, but it's not. I mean, there are spots in the city where it might be 60 going one direction and 50 the other, depending on how close you are to the houses, right? Because some streets have houses on one side, businesses on another. This is why you're the good looking and the smart one. <laughs> Fantastic. I would say probably neither to both of those. Here's the text. This is in reference to my pondering whether or not you can turn right on Cordon off of Pemina. If they're at a, at a red. So a text to 204-780-6868. If there is no sign that says no right turn on red, you can turn right. It's just common sense. I had to know this when I took my driving test in 1975, so things have not really changed. People with half a brain would know this. So I think the implication there, Greg, and I guess I only have half a brain, so I don't quite get this, but I think that's directed at me. Might be directed at both of us. (laughs) 
It's uh, 315. It might be directed at Louis Escobar, who um, said, you know, that he wasn't exactly sure on the exact rule at that intersection. Yeah, he was because he wasn't sure if you can turn right on red from both of those lanes. Mm-hmm. He was thinking only from the most right-hand lane. I think that might be the case there, but we'll see if we can get an official ruling on that. And we'll get an official ruling on traffic with Casey Gibb in two minutes. Okay, how many people can say they went to work today and got booed? I can. You got booed, man. I got booed. Because <laughs> there was the when you put out when you pulled up the uh, the Judas Priest. Yes. Breaking the law. I am not familiar with the opening riff for that song. Oh, that's so I didn't know what it was. This part I obviously know, but I just wasn't familiar with. And I think you know what also part of the problem is is with Judas Priest, I know the song that they always used to use on Power 97 when they would do their guys' garage promos. What was that tune? Um, oh, I can't think of the name off the top of my head. Dun, 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 you got dun, another dun, thing dun, dun, coming. Dun, dun. Yes. Thank you very much. You got another. That's the that's the big Judas Priest song well, I always know. Well, that's the riff everybody knows, right? So when I said I didn't know what it was, I missed this text <laughs> message. <laughs> Somebody texted us and says, how do you not know that song? <laughs> Boo! It wasn't in all caps, so he might not have been yelling. It was all caps. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> How do you not know that song? <laughs> it's a great song. I'm going to be listening to The Priest all weekend now. So thank you very much for that. Uh, yeah, I think I can add that. Check that off my bucket list. Get booed. Get booed at work. Yep. Now, should we give away some stuff here? Sure. Or do you want to do that after? Do it now. Do it now. We have our final pair of tickets for Snake Oil Gets Twisted, a.k.a. Twisted Sister. That's better after that garbage song we played wow, yesterday. That was terrible. To cru- be cruel to your school. Ugh. The Snake Oil Sinners featuring Dee Snyder of Twisted Sister. Monday, June 26th, this Monday at the Burton Cummings Theatre. Described as an authentic theatrical tribute to rock's biggest stars. And for this show, they will be joined by one of those big stars, Dee Snyder. And today, ah, let's just go, what do you think, Forte? Caller number six? Caller number six, 204-780-6868. If you are caller number six, you're going to see the Snake Oil Sinners featuring D. Snyder of Twisted Sister. Yeah, D. Snyder. I forgot to dig up the clip. Uh, I know I can probably just pull it up on YouTube, but the classic clip of D. Snyder walking into the Senate hearing in his ripped-off denim vest as he jaw jacks, goes toe-to-toe. Jaw jacks, I love that. With... Tipper and Al Gore. Oh, it's great. Yeah. That's uh and once again, there's a tremendous documentary simply called Metal. That's where I first saw that because I don't remember that being in the news. I think I was seven or eight years old around that time. Wasn't really paying attention to that kind of stuff, but I did watch this documentary on metal. It is really interesting. If you're at all into this music, you should check that out. While Jeff Forte is looking for a winner. For the Snake Oil Sinners, we're going to pause and have a look at your forecast, and then we'll talk some sports with TFJ. Brett McGarry with Greg Mackling on 680 CJOB. 
Jeff Fortier, I'm I can't see the name, so I'm gonna call. Oh, he's already <laughs> is so he what, running around. He's, he's having a run to grab the prize sheet. We're trying to find out who won our tickets for Snake Oil Gets Twisted. Rick Slaney. Right Rick on Slaney. That sounds like a good rock and roll name. I I agree. Very rock and roll. Rick Slaney. I bet you Rick knew that that was breaking the law from the first few notes. Well, I uh, boo. I booted that one. <laughs> and I deserved to be booed. I did not immediately recognize breaking Hashtag the law. booed at work. Yep. It's fun. I, I'm happy that I, it was actually really amusing to see that text. How do you not know that song, boo? Speaking of uh, being booed at work, how far would you go to prove a point? Uh, British man sent home for wearing shorts to the office and a heat wave returns in a bright pink dress. Oh, Really? A British man was sent home from work Monday after he wore shorts to the office in the midst of a heat wave. I don't know what they consider a heat wave in, in England, but Joey Barge uh, wondered and on Twitter why women were allowed to don skirts at work whilst men were denied a similar comfort. He posted a picture of himself in shorts as he was heading to the office. Less than an hour later, he was sent home to change into more appropriate work attire. He chronicled his journey on Twitter, took lots of different pictures, including one of himself in a skirt. Okay. <laughs> uh, by the way, heat heat wave uh, is like twenty eight twenty nine in Aylesbury. So where is this again? In uh, Great Britain. Okay. As he documented his story on Twitter, received hundreds of likes and retweets. Barge's bosses asked him to go home and change again after announcing the policy had changed. So his protest worked. They said, dudes, yeah, you can wear shorts. And uh, he said, no, that's okay. I got sent home and told to change into appropriate clothing, but it said females could wear dresses. So, hey, ho. They said it was a bit too colorful and asked if I wanted to go home and change because they were letting us wear shorts because of my protest. But I said I was happy to stay in my dress. <laughs> Point made. Well, good for him. You know, sometimes you just got to stand up. Good job, Joey Barge. Good job, Joey. Hey, I wanted to give you a follow-up here from Louis Escobar, actually, the manager of transportation for the city. He followed up with us on the subject of Taylor. We took a call from, I believe it was Susan, who was asking about the signs on, I think, it is it Taylor or Harrow? Ta yeah, Taylor at Harrow. We're heading towards Harrow. And uh, Susan, I apologize. I kind of snipped at you a little bit there uh, because I looked this up on Google Street View and I think Louie's done the same thing. And I got your question completely inversed. You were asking about eastbound Taylor heading towards Harrow and why that was 50 when on the south side or the westbound side was at 60. In my head, it was the other way around. Louis sent back a response. And he says, hi, Brad, it looks like the signs for the 50 kilometer an hour and 60 kilometer an hour are near each other. Please take a look at the attached Google Maps link. The caller might have been referring to the sign that says indicated 50 kilometers an hour ahead and not the actual 50 kilometer an hour sign. Nonetheless, I will ask the crews to check that signs have not been moved from where they are supposed to be. Sometimes signs are vandalized. So I'm just cracking open this link that he has forwarded to us. It's a street view, and I do see the 60 kilometer an hour sign 
on Taylor. So that is, uh, is that going westbound, Greg? Yeah, that's westbound on like on the uh, north side of Taylor. There's that school there on your right if you're heading westbound. And the Manitoba Hydro Building would be on your right if you're heading eastbound towards Pembina Highway. It goes from a 60. That 60, I guess, starts at Waverly or similar. And then it transitions to a 50 about halfway through that schoolyard right in front of the hydro building all the way to Pembina Highway. And conversely, if you're heading westbound, it would be 50 from Pembina all the way, or yeah, from Pembina on Taylor past Harrow to about halfway through that schoolyard. And then it becomes a 60 as you head towards uh, the different businesses and such on Taylor as you're making your way towards Waverly. So we appreciate all the feedback at 204-780-6868. I've just actually asked Louie in response if he would be willing to come back and revisit because we we didn't have time to even come close to answering all your questions. So Greg and I are going to do our best to map everything out, uh, to write down all these questions and see if we can't send them to Louie and then he can come armed uh, with the, the full answers to answer all of your questions. Speaking of traffic, crash, right-hand lane on the eastbound north perimeter just before McPhillips. Once again, crash, right-hand lane on the eastbound north perimeter just before McPhillips. Also, by the way, uh, if you because we talked to a few parents today at Earl Grey who were at the kindergarten farewell, and I, said, I, sug- I know that I definitely suggested to Steph Arison, whose daughter Faith was in the first-ever Spanish class, that we might do this at 3 o'clock. That was before we were kind of figuring out where we were going to do all of this, we ended up spending the whole hour at 1 o'clock. So if you're just tuning in to hear the kindergarten stuff, we already did it, but you can go to cjob.com. You can find the tab for the audio vault. It's kind of confusing. Just want to point out, and we have had a few people say, your your new website, since you flipped over, is kind of confusing. And I would I, I just want to point to you because there's a, there are two sort of rows of tabs. And in each of those tabs, there's a spot that says more. So the the first tab is for global news, and then the second one is specific to 680 CJOB. And if you click on that second one that says more, that's where you get the drop down for all of the stuff related to CJOB, where you can find our schedule, where you can find our on-demand section. So that's where you can find it. As well, you can get us on podcast. I'll have this up by later this evening on Google Play and on iTunes. We'll put it up on the 680 CJOB Facebook page as well. 345, we will look at traffic and weather, and we'll hear from Richard and Julie to find out what's coming up on the news. Greg Mackling, Brett McGarry, Richard Cluche for the last time this week as we head into a weekend. How are you feeling about this weather forecast, Richard? I've been complaining about it all day. I think it'll clear up about 5.30 this afternoon. (laughs) (laughs) This afternoon? Sure. Okay. For a couple hours. Why is that? I don't know. You asked me what I thought about this, and I'm just thinking that we'll get some clearing sky. Okay. I think we'll get a little bit of sunshine maybe around 8.30. Sunday night. Well, of course. (laughs) Of course. Actually, it's supposed to be sunny on Sunday. Mm -hmm. And then I think we're all holding out that next week and beyond will be wonderful, right? Yeah. And, of course, you know what happens in Winnipeg after all this rain and we get Sunshine and warm temperatures. Don't don't say what's coming after no, that. No, I'm not saying that. Yeah, I think because we all know we don't I, need to I say it. Said the word. We uh, we're watching uh, the NHL uh, trades this afternoon. A lot of activity, right? Yeah, the Jets have made no trades. We'll see what happens in the next couple of hours, heading into draft. 
Would you, you got a sense something's happening with the Jets? Stick with us here. Is that, is that hope or, or do you know something that, that I'm dying to know? I'm smiling, right? Yes, you are. When I smile, does that mean? Oh, it just means you like me a lot. And there I, you I'm go. I'm used to that. There you go. I think there Richard, you go. I think Richard knows something. Yeah. Hmm. So we'll see. We'll see what happens in and around between 4.30 and 5.15 today. That's why I have to listen to the news from 4 until 7. Kluche knows things that none of us do. Uh, Dr. Brock Wright will also join us to, uh, he's got some explaining to do about the early shutdown beginning at 8 o'clock. I, I, I was expecting this to happen at urgent care based on what they had been saying and the slowdown for the summer and easing the folks of that community into the fact that they're not going to have their urgent care center come fall time. So uh, logistically, it makes sense. I'll be very interested to see the impact on the community because there's a whole lot of pushback right now. And certainly you're hearing the ads on on 680 CGOB about that. Uh, to Ottawa and uh, the marijuana guidelines, you know, just say no. Isn't that interesting from the doctors? Mm-hmm. Just say no for kids. Sure. And, uh, and we're going to tell you about a, a movie that's going to be shot in Winnipeg and a casting call. It stars Kristen Stewart, Laura Dern, and Diane Kruger. Neat. Yeah. You want and to be looking, in pictures. They're looking for uh, some folks uh, for some speaking parts. So, guys. Wow. Uh, leaves me out. <laughs> Come on. I don't speak particularly well, uh, so that leaves me out. They put you on TV for those lottery commercials. No, that's so. true. <laughs> yeah, those are recorded, though. Like, how many takes is that for you? You'd be surprised how quickly I did those. Really? Yes. Only three days. Only three days. Three to days shoot. of shooting. I, they told oh, me that was a record. Bad. Oh, maybe they meant it was a record long time. <laughs> three days of shooting. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Good thing it's videotape and not film. <laughs> they use film on this face, baby. <laughs> Richard Cluche is co-host of the news with Julie Buckingham from four until seven on six eighty CJOB. Thank you very much, Richard. Greg, I'm looking forward to. I know it's already weird to look up. Look forward to Wednesday, but I'm excited yeah. for next why, Wednesday. Why? What's happening Wednesday? Well, Wednesday at 2.30, we're going to speak to somebody from uh, the LC, MLCC, <laughs> about the Canadian craft beer revolution. You Is know, it still MLCC? I, I should know that, but I just MLLC say that. MLLC or M- something. Yeah. Liquor and Lotteries Corporation. MLLC, I think. Yeah. yeah. Still the Liquor Mart. Yeah. The liquor people. We're going to talk to the, the beer people. How's that? We were talking about traffic today. I like how your brain... It can meander a little bit, but it really likes to live in kind of one lane there. I like that. <laughs> so the Cana- It's like you're on Arlington. <laughs> Canadian craft beer revolution coast to coaster. It's on until July 31st, so we're going to talk about that at 2.30. But at 2 o'clock on Wednesday, we're going to talk about poutine with the people from Smokes Poutinery and Skip the Dishes. And they're going to bring some in. It's all part of a Canada 150. They're celebrating because poutine is seen by many as sort of the quintessential Canadian dish, right? <laughs> yes. So they're going to bring in poutine. Jeff, we're eating poutine on Wednesday. Yeah. Craft beer and poutine. Hmm. I never looked forward to a Wednesday before in my life. You do now. I do now. That's all the time we have. I'm Brad T. Is Greg, Jeff Forte, and Master Control. Thank you. And thank you. For listening to 680 CJOB. And once again, thanks to everybody at Earl Gray for welcoming us to the kindergarten farewell.